Good afternoon. It is so dark outside already. God, I got to get used to this new schedule to God be the glory. Um, what a opportunity for Christians to shine like lights right now. And I guess that just hit me. Instead of being complaining, we need to show the glory of Christ now. Amen? Amen. Amen. And even though we, we do get frustrated from the things we see, and we should, but it should invoke us to do things that are absolutely right in the eyes of God. And so, I took a, a dollar some piece, piece of summer sausage next door and got a $50 donation. <laughs> How would you like those investments from the Lord? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I like it. Good. I was wondering when you were going to talk to me, Shelly. You're back there smiling and not saying anything. Absolutely glorious time at RV's baptism uh, Sunday. Didn't like when I bust my knee open. <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Got a chance to talk with a young lady today by the name of Lisa. I've been wanting to talk to her. And I talked to her about something, Shelly, that all of us need to be listening to people when they tell us things like this. Uh, I talked to her about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And she told me that the kind of salvation she had was probably wasn't the type that uh, she's supposed to have had. And I asked her to explain herself. Without going into details of her conversation, she reminded me of so many young people that received a diluted um, explanation of why we need to be saved. <coughs> I haven't spent time with her today explaining all the way back from Genesis what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve disobeying God to the coming of the Messiah, God's son, Jesus and how we're to place our trust in him. And not because he's gonna save us from the eternal punishment of, you know, from God, but because we love him. And we love God, our father, our creator. Uh, that is the purpose of salvation is for us to love God again. Amen. Not so that we can be saved. That, that's a, a whole misunderstanding of the purpose of salvation. Not so that we can be saved, so that we can love Jesus, so that we can love God. Okay? And in Psalms 2, David was given a great illustration of this by the Holy Spirit when he talks about the Messiah being God's son. When he said, today I have begotten you. Okay? And then also when it said, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the end of the earth your possessions. And in the closing part of that chapter, that same Psalm, Psalms 2, David wrote under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he wrote these powerful words. He said, kiss the son unless he hate you and you perish in the way. Wow. That goes hand in hand with John 3.16, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that whoso believe in him will not what? 
perish. And that's what David said. Kiss the son unless he hates you and you perish along the way. And so that's pretty powerful. Okay? So you're going to be my computer operator tonight? All right. So today we get to do some great things. Yesterday, I was able to join in with thousands of others around our country with Franklin Graham uh, interceding for our country. Yeah, anybody seen that on Facebook? Last night, when Franklin Graham went live and he was connected to Facebook, and you could join in in the prayer for our country. Yeah, I was able to get portions of it, you know, that prayer, and praying with our nation with him before. Uh huh. So last night he did that for the nation, and uh, I was blessed by God to to participate in that national prayer for our country. But anyway, uh, tonight we get to do something awesome. That is, what is what tonight is so awesome, Aiden, that we are blessed by God to do. Preach. Preach. Who are we gonna preach to tonight? We are? Uh, what are we going to do in a few minutes, Mr. Tucker? Um, what is this called? Why are we gathered here tonight? Bible study. So we're getting ready to be blessed by God to get in the word of God for the glory of God and for his son Jesus. That's why we're gathered today. And I want us to make sure that our sole purpose of coming together tonight is to magnify Jesus. And we're going to close out this particular chapter, not only this chapter, but this book tonight. We finished the book of Galatians tonight. And we may even start, have time to start in the book of Ephesians. And so we're going to go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. After, we, after Aiden starts us in prayer. But I want you to do something a little bit different when you begin praying. <coughs> Can you praise Jesus while you're praying? Do you know what I mean by that? Say something wonderful to him. Say something great about him. And you too, Mr. Tucker, when, when it's your turn to pray. And you, Mr. Scholar. And all the rest of I just got the... God just got your family today. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I just just get to teach your family tonight. What a glorious time it's going to be if your wife can stay awake. I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's give God some glory. Everybody okay. Heads. I thank you today for letting us have education and for being you and letting us have all this stuff that we have and we thank you for dying on the cross for us and please let this day go Mr. Tucker, your turn. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day and we're thankful for the word that we and that we have received and I Pray that we have a good day of studying that whoever wins the election is a good president. And I pray for my heart and 
that everybody around the world gets their message in Jesus' name, amen. Scholar, your turn. Jesus, we thank you for this country that you have given us. We ask you to be with the whichever leaders <coughs> they get elected to help guide them in the ways they need to go. Um, we praise you. We love you. You are holy. You are worthy of all of our praise. Uh, please be with Pastor Sammy tonight so that he can help teach us more about you. In Jesus' name. God, I just wanna I just wanna praise you. I just want you to know how thankful that we are that you sent your son to die on the cross for us to save us from our sins so that we could continue to live our lives and make mistakes and be forgiven and learn. And I want to thank you for sending our families to the polls to, to make um, spirit-filled decisions <laughs> that uh, the right person becomes president and no matter what it is your it's your plan and we just need to trust in that and i want to thank you for for being there with us filling our spirits so that we can fully trust in everything that's about to happen in the world as we know it and i just want to ask for healing for little emma back there her throat hurts just heal her throat up and her little cough so she can feel better and and be with her as she's home with tomorrow with her mom. And just let them spend some quality time together, even if she's sick, and and enjoy each other. In Jesus' name. Father, you're awesome in all of your ways and but God, your people around the world are seeking you and glorifying your son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, you're incredibly wonderful. And Lord, you're excellent and above more than what we can ever imagine you are. And we love you and you're worthy of all praise. And God, you're God alone. And as you will sit up on your throne, and when you spoke, you created this universe <laughs> and everything that's in it. And Lord, you gave everything life and life is sustained by your son, Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we're so glad that Father sent you to die on the cross for us and that he raised you from the dead and that you're not dead, but you're very much alive and you, you intentionally involve yourselves in the affairs of men every day. And Lord, I was excited to be reminded what you said through the psalmist that the, that the heavens of heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth you have given to men. And so, Lord, what a blessing that is. And there's no other place like the earth that you have created for us. 
And Father, we thank you for that. And we also thank you above all things that the name of Jesus is above every name. And that at his very name, every knee in creation will bow down and every tongue will confess that you, Jesus, is Lord to the glory of God, your Father, sits upon the throne. And you're the only way in which men could be saved, and we love you for that. And I was reminded of the words of Franklin Graham, and it just really resonated in my heart recently, that the God of the, uh, 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 of the Muslims cannot be the same God of Christians, because... <coughs> In Islam, they say that God doesn't have a son, so he, that God cannot be you because you have a son, and his name is Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you're the one true God and that you have made yourself known to us and revealed the fullness of your glory to us through your son, Jesus. And we thank you that your spirit is here with us, Lord, and he helped us to learn your word and, and walk with you by walking with him and get to know you by studying your word. And Lord, and he help us to love because you are love, Lord God, as John wrote that God is love and that we love him because you, Lord God, first loved us. And tonight, Lord, around our country, there seemed to be a spirit of division. Forgive us for our sins, Lord. We need you right now, Jesus. We need you, Father. And we're asking you, Lord, to have mercy upon us tonight, Lord. And as Shelly said, whatever decision that, that's going to come down to, you've already made decision which of the two candidates that's going to be president of the United States and that your will is being done and there's nothing that we can do to change that and that your word, the prophecy of your word is being fulfilled. And those things are going to come to pass because it is you who's going to honor your own word. And tonight, Lord, as we look intensely into it, we ask that you bless Israel. Israel is standing by watching because we are Israel's strongest ally. And, it, and the person that takes that, that Oval Office must continue to be an ally of Israel and be on Israel's side. And so, Lord, we ask that whoever it is, that that person will continue to give Israel favor and be there for her. And, Lord, we're asking now that your spirit will move across this land. Lord... We ask that you restrain the evil one tonight. Don't let insurrections and revolts break out all over the land, riots and looting and burning and shooting and, and killing and hurting. Lord, do not allow those things to happen because a certain candidate wins tonight. Lord, allow your peace, Lord Jesus, your peace that surpasses all understanding. Rule in our heart, guard our hearts, Lord, which is in Christ Jesus. And even the ungodly would know that there's a God in these United States. And it's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And there's one Lord over these United States, and that is your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, we love you. We ask now that Holy Spirit open our hearts and minds to your living word tonight. It will finish up the book of Galatians and perhaps even go into the book of Ephesians tonight. Speak to our hearts. Even though our hearts are concerned about this election, Lord, let us hear your voice. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to your church tonight because that's the real truth we need to be hanging on to, your living word. Our hope is in you, not in man. We love you and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, verse 10. Can you see that? 
Do you need to sit on that side so that I don't block you? Okay. All right. Uh-oh. Something happened along the way. Okay. So, Paul is bringing to a closure his letter to the Galatian church that had been in turmoil over some false teachers from Jerusalem coming down telling them that they had to be circumcised. Paul also very, very strongly opposed that and told them even if an angel came down from heaven with a different gospel, let that angel be a curse. And he said it again in the next verse, even if an angel came down from heaven with another gospel, which really isn't the gospel, let him be a curse. And that don't just apply to angels, that also apply to men. If people come to other people with a different gospel than other than what's been commissioned by the Holy Ghost and the living word of God, the Bible tells us, let that person be a curse. God is not playing around with mankind when it comes to his word. We have no right to change it, alter it, or speak anything different than, than what's listed in it. And that's why I'm so glad, everybody, that one day sitting on my couch, the Holy Spirit said to me, do not prepare another sermon because that's your word, not mine. My word, the word of God, has already been prepared. You got every sermon you need. There are 66 books full of them. From Genesis to Revelation. That's all the sermons we need. Preach the word just as it is. And that's what I try to do. And Paul, he said some pretty tough things to this church. But at the same time, he also gave them some wonderful things too. He didn't leave them hanging with their tongues hanging out and upset. He also built them up. He encouraged them to hang in there. So let's look at the conclusion of his letter. Ten. I read from the New King James side. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of faith. Shall in the uh, uh, we're amazed all the time how mean Christians are to each other. I wonder if they ever read this part. And what did he say? Therefore, as we have opportunity, he, he, he didn't say go and stir up confusion. He says, the opportunity presents itself. Do good, especially to those who are in the household of faith. I, you don't know how many times I said to Shelly, that's so-and-so. And they won't even look in the window. You heard me say it, D. So many times. They won't even look in the window and say, hello. They turn their head. And they walk on the other side of the road. Yeah, and it's really heartbreaking. And sometimes I intentionally, and maybe I was being a rascal by doing it, our attention go out there and say, hey, how you doing? Mm -hmm. So that they can see. You don't do your brother and sister in Christ like that. I cannot, even though there were times when I've seen certain Christians that have rubbed me the wrong way that I really don't want to wave at, 
And guess what the Holy Ghost say? You got to. You got to. Hold that hand up. That's right. You you wave. Or you walk over and say, hey, how you doing? <coughs> and uh, aren't you glad you got a Father in Heaven that that's what, that you listen to him? And that's how you grow when you listen to the Spirit. Jesus don't play that stuff. He don't play his children being moody to each other. And uh, in verse 11 on the NIV side, see what large letter I use as I write to you with my own hand. This, this fit right into what we call introductory matters, when we're trying to determine who's actually the author of this letter. Paul just said himself, he said, I am the author of this letter. I wrote this letter myself with my own hands. You see that? So they know with the, beyond a shadow of a doubt who this letter is coming from. Okay? Verse 12, those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Oh, that's a mouthful. Let, let me explain to you what it meant there, Shelly. It's Shelly Day to be picked on because she got on all those colors. Say again, baby. Either or. And so here's what, what, what he's saying. These people are only doing this to be seen by the Jews, basically what you're saying, so that they wouldn't be persecuted for following Christ. So they made a big production. Yeah, they, you're right. They want to make a big, what did you call it? Production. production. Yeah, I never thought about it that way, but yes, they really put themselves in the limelight, you know, showboating by really coming with something that was detrimental to the eternal destination. Because Paul said, those who want you circumcised, he said, I, I pray, he said, I'd rather that they mutilate themselves, cut themselves up. That's pretty bad, isn't it? And uh, now he's saying they're doing it so that, number one, they can be seen so that they themselves will fall on the, what, persecution for believing in the cross of Christ. Now, Verse 13, let's go on the King, New King James side. <coughs> For not even these who are circumcised keep the law. And that's something. Now, they're going to come and tell you to be circumcised so that you can follow the law continually, but they themselves don't keep the law. A parallelism to that is if there is one, I'm preaching and teaching the gospel, right? Don't I have to also obey the same gospel that I'm preaching and teaching? And you all don't know how many times the Holy Spirit gets me when I act differently than what I tell you to act according to the scriptures. Whoa. And so Paul really, he just called them out. He called them out. So, he said, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Hey, the word boast means what? Brag. That's right. I want to brag about how they got you to cut your stuff up, right? 
Salvation don't come that way because a man cut the foreskin of his penis. Yeah. Salvation comes by the blood of Jesus and his death on the cross. Okay? And putting faith in him and him alone. Now, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is, Shelley. This part, I have a hard time understanding people who say they're Christians, but when they get in public, won't talk about Jesus. Matter of fact, even get to the point where they say there's a time and place for that. Hmm. Well, I'm just, I'm just stupid, I guess. I run into people like you at work all the time. Yeah. Tell me I didn't come to work to get preached to. I had a lady tell me that one time at um, Hitchcock's. We was in line, and I turned and began to talk to her about the Lord. And she said, I didn't come here to be to hear religion, to be preached to you know, about religion. I said, I'm so glad because Jesus wouldn't have it no other way. He'd come to give you a relationship. She looked at me and turned red. <clears throat> but, but when is the appropriate time? Whenever you feel like talking about it. Here's what David wrote, and here's what Paul wrote. In multiple places, here's a phrase that we all need to get used to. He said, harden not your heart in the day of provocation. Have you ever read that, Dee? Harden not your heart in the day of provocation. Well, what does that mean? That means when the Spirit is speaking through the Word of God, listen. Don't close your heart to God because that could be your day that you enter eternity. That's, you're at that moment turning down the most opportune time in which the Spirit is inviting you into the kingdom of God. You may not never get another moment. And you don't have to die right then because your heart was so hard against God God said, I'm not going back to you again. I truly believe that. That some people, the Holy Ghost said, uh-uh. You're not going back over there. And we can see in cases, you remember in the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit forbid Paul to go to a certain place to preach? Holy Spirit said, uh-uh, no. You're not going. Oh. Even God gets sick of it. <laughs> a couple times changed yeah, yeah. And, and, and even Lord Jesus said this. He said, do not cast your pearls before swines unless they turn and tear you. King James said, rend you, which means the same. What does it mean by that? Do not cast your pearls before swines unless they turn and tear you. What does that mean? Don't waste this precious gospel on people who don't want to hear it because they're going to turn around and tear you up with their words. They may even physically assault you. 
Jesus said, don't waste your time with people like that. Even the early apostles said, Lord, <laughs> shall we call down fire from heaven upon them? And Jesus said, whoa, you don't know what kind of spirit you are. Son of man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So them brothers said, but he did tell us though, through those apostles, he said, whatever place you go and they do not receive you, he says, wipe what? The dust off your feet coming out of that village. Wipe it off as a testimony against them. That means God going to bring it back up again. And it ain't going to be what? Pretty. So there are times, really, when the Holy Ghost said, mm -mm. I know there have been times in my life when the Spirit told me, Samuel, uh-uh. Walk away. Walk away. Because mm -hmm. don't you know the Holy Spirit knows who's going to be saved and who's not? Already. He already knows who's going to receive Lord Jesus and who's going to reject him. Who's going to play. Or who's going to play. Okay? You don't think... The Bible tells us over and over again that Jesus knew that Judas was going to do what? Betray him. He knew it all along, and yet he did not treat Judas any different than he did the other 11 disciples. Isn't that something? He allowed Judas to go all the way up to the night in which he, what, betrayed him. And, and Matthew wrote in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus said these words about him just shortly before he betrayed him. Jesus said, it's better that that man had never been born. Exactly. I don't ever want to hear words like that from the Lord. But Lord Jesus said it about his betrayer. It is better that that man had never been born. So there are times, uh, uh, So there are times when we're not going to get anywhere with this gospel. Yeah, sure is. So, what Paul says, I brag about Jesus. They say, I may never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He said, look, if you want to see a person's life change completely, Shelley, they have to allow the cross of Jesus to cut them off from the world, the ways of this world, completely. Did you see that? That's true conversion right there, Clinton. That this is how you and I know a person is saved when they have now renounced the, the lifestyle of this world and chose Jesus. 
That's that's what that's what Paul just said. And it's so sad that you, I'm I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell y'all something about me. There have been quite a few times that I went back to the Lord, Shelly, and I was so scared. I said, Jesus, am I really saved? As a preacher. Y'all didn't know that, did you? I've gone back and said, Jesus, am I really saved? Then why am I doing this? Why am I sinning against you? If I'm really saved, why am I still sinning against you? And then I have people always try to use a human explanation. Well, you're still in the flesh. I don't care about that because I know what my Lord gave me. He gave me his spirit. I'm supposed to be different now. And of course, the Lord always gave me that blessed assurance. Yes, you are. But you'd still sin. You got to come clean with that. You don't let me off the hook, Clinton. And I, I, I see Dick get frustrated. I've seen him getting frustrated the last couple of days. I can't divulge why. But I've seen his frustration over some stuff. And I remind him what he remind me of sometimes. I told him the other day, I said, I'm going to pray for compassion for you. <laughs> Isn't that what we need sometimes? Yeah, the kindness of a yes, because we seem to forget sometimes where the Lord has brought us from. Anyway, what I love here: for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything if you got your stuff cut or not cut. Huh? <laughs> and so, at least this part, you women don't have to go through. That's right. Nowadays, it's just And so, because you know how many people going to bust hell wide open that have their stuff cut? Yeah. And you know how many going to bust hell wide open who don't have their stuff cut? But the blessed is how many are going to go to heaven with their stuff cut and how many go, go, go to heaven because this stuff, not because this stuff is not cut, even though their stuff is not cut because they love Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yeah, boys. So, continue on verse 15. What counts as a new creation? What counts but a new creation? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul's explaining that new creation. He says, old things have passed away, but all things have become what? New. That means by coming to Jesus and accepting him, God did something with your old life. Bye-bye. You no longer live here anymore. Thank you, Jesus. He evicted the old life and gave us a brand new one from above. That's why, was it you who was having a conversation about that you must be born again from above? Yeah. He meant that. 
Because that's the only way to get rid of the old man and take on the new. But you have to be born above again from God. Okay? And peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Did you notice how he said that? Why do you think he put in an even to the Israel of God? That's a very powerful statement. Because he was not only talking to Israel, he was talking to who? Gentiles as well. So he said, not just you Gentiles, but you Jews, you, you Israel of God, God's chosen people, you too. Both of you got to follow this same rule of salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. This is huge right here. Keep shaking the mouth, baby, so it don't close on you. Okay, every now and then shake it. This is huge. I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ in my body. What is he saying? What are the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ, Aiden? Lashes. Okay, it's lashes. Tucker? His wounds. His wounds? Where at? Okay, that's the lashes he was referring to. Yes, sir. Uh, the holes that were in his feet. The holes that was in his feet and his, <coughs> huh? The fake crown that was stuck into his. Okay, the crown of thorns that were forced on him. All right. The the the, the hands. his hands and the side. side. Okay, so all the marks that Lord Jesus received on our behalf by proclaiming to be the Son of God. Paul said, I bear those marks. Does, did he really bear the marks? No. What he was saying is, I identify with the suffering of Christ. Look at me spitting and shelling. He said, I identify. Huh? Yeah. He said, I identify with the marks of Christ in my body. Okay? I identify with his suffering. All right? He said, I carry that in my heart, in my spirit, and I make myself one with it because I know my Lord suffered and died for me. That's huge. And when we get to this point and appreciating the Lord like this, I think we'll be less apt to sin. And I'm working to get to this point where Paul is in his walk with the Lord when he said, I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ in my body. Because that means wherever he looks, he's reminded of the cross. He's reminded, as this young man has said, the beatings of the Lord or the crowns that were the thorns that was forced on his head. Anybody ever took a rose bush and forced it on your head? Yeah, it probably would hurt, wouldn't it? And then it said, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. 
Wow, we just finished the book of Galatians. And now we're going to, no, we're not done with Bible study. We still got a little bit to go. What, what is the time? Uh, 6.49. 6.49. All right. We are now beginning a new book, the book of Ephesians. Why is it called the book of Ephesians? <laughs> Letter to the Ephesites. I never heard him call that to, to the folks of Ephesus, which is one of the church. It's the only church in the Bible that has its own Bible name, only book. Okay? It's listed in the book of Revelation. It is the first church on the list in the book of Revelation. Is it not? Huh? Now, let me... Huh? What'd you say? It's the first church on the list of the seven churches in Revelation. Here's something that... Anybody know why Paul wrote this letter? Why does he write this letter to the church in Ephesus? Anyone know? Because of their actions. Why, they were doing something wrong? There's no evidence to show that the church in Ephesus had done anything wrong to warrant this letter from Paul. Okay? The church in Ephesus actually was a pretty good church. In fact, it is a church that really went through spiritual warfare. Witchcraft, sorcery, you name it. Psychic readings. Well, you've got to figure there was something if God's telling them to write this. Oh, there's a reason. It is to encourage the saints there to continue on in their, in their faith. They were doing well, and it's also, Shelly, the first time that we actually see the organization of the church put together so well. Not just the gifts of men, but the leadership and the common people working together as a unit called the church, moving with the Holy Spirit of the living God. And Paul is going to open up into some areas of things of heaven for Christians that had not been revealed in all the Bible by the Holy Ghost. Watch, watch what he says in chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So he just identify who he's writing to. And, and boy, what an opening, opening statement there. This is what we call his salutation. Okay? Very good stuff here. It's coming from Paul. All right? Unlike the letter that he wrote in the book in front of this one, the letter of Galatians, where he started out hammering them very shortly into his letter. Did he not? But this letter, you'll see just different. Even in his letter to the Corinthian church, he started hammering them right away. Did he not? He usually starts the, I don't know if I want to say faults, but. Actually, yes, he did. He starts, he say hello and all and say who sent him, but then he starts. He gets to the point. He gets to the point, okay? But, but watch this letter. It's, it's a whole lot different, okay? And uh, I'm on the King James side. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He opens all of his letters like this. Did you notice that? I mean, he just come in with a word of encouragement right away. And that's where we need to be to one another. 
need to be building each other up each time we see it instead of saying, you know what, I can't wait to get it. I have said it. I heard Shirley say it. My wife said, we're all guilty. You wait to get my hands on so-and-so. Or I can't wait to get that person a piece of my mind. That's not Christ-like. We know that. Huh? Yeah. But verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all, and here it is, here it is, here it is, Clinton, who have blessed us with all what? Say it out, Clinton. Spiritual blessings. Bubba, that tells you and I right there that prosperity gospel is from the devil. Because Paul here saying that God the Father has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly. Otherwise, where Christ is seated, it's coming directly from the throne of God. These blessings are spiritual. Okay? People too often, when they come into these so-called prosperity gospels, that they're looking to be blessed materially by God. That is not why Lord Jesus came. Lord Jesus came for one reason and one reason only, for your spirit. Amen. Okay? To unite your spirit back with the spirit of the living God. And it did it in its own body on the tree. Okay? So. So we're blessed with what? Spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. That's what people miss. That is the mark right there. The mark of excellence of God. In Christ and Christ alone, we're blessed. Not God, go, God, give, give 100. Lord, please forgive me. I don't, I'm not trying to make a mockery of anybody, Lord Jesus. I just want to point out realities, what's going on in the earth and how people are being deceived. Uh, give $300. Uh, uh, God wants so many people give $1,000 right now, and he's going to bless you with health. He's going to bless you with this, your family. And they, they list off all the things, and they use the word of God from Deuteronomy chapter 28, which is the blessings that's, that's flowing. And then it's up, they'll say that, oh, God's not going to place these curses on you. And listen, that's not, that's not what serving Christ is all about. If you are in Christ Jesus, you're already blessed. Amen. Don't you think Jesus is not going to take care of his own children? Through the prophet Isaiah, God says, while you're yet praying to me, I'm answering you. What? God said, while you're yet asking, I'm already answering. Why? Because God already know the need. And he already has the answer. And he already has the answer. And the answer is in who? In Christ. In Christ alone. And so, I promise God, and I'm still, Lord Jesus, I, I mean, I need help. I want to teach you all as accurate as I can the Word of God. Come into church just because you're going to put $100 in the plate, you want God to give you 1000 back? Keep your money in your pocket. God don't want your filthy money like that. Okay, what did God say in the psalm? I forget which psalm it is, and I can look it up. God said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. What? We're at the beginning of Ephesians. 
God said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. He said, because the earth is mine and the fullness thereof. It sounds more like Psalm 24 to me, but the more I think about it. However, look, look here. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Brother, that means that when God had that meeting in heaven, in Genesis 1, 26, where he says, let us make man in our image and in our what? Likeness. Now, that's what he was referring to. He was making the people that was holy and without blame and without fault to stand before him. What do you think Adam, the state of Adam and Eve was before they sinned? They was what? Holy and without blame and without fault before God. Were they not? They sure were. And that's what Jesus, our Lord, has restored. He has restored the holiness and the blameless and the faultless back in us so that we can stand before God who is holy. And uh, verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoptions of children, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And Paul said, it was long before you and I was born, it was long before the earth was created, that God had already determined that we would be his children in his son Jesus. What does that mean? Even if Christ never had to come to the cross, God had already determined that in Christ alone, we would still be his children. Period. That's awesome when you think about that. Oh, you mean tell me the Father really wanted us all the time? Yes, he did. From the very beginning, God said, you're my children. And over in the book of, uh, of uh, Colossians, the next book over, Paul tells you and I that through Christ, God made the world and everything in it. Well, what does that mean? That means Jesus Christ made humans. Jesus Christ created the human race. Are y'all getting that? Yes, sir. Jesus Christ created the stars. He created the moon. He created the sun. He created the planet. He created the oceans. He created the angels. He created everything. That's what Paul writes in Colossians, that through him, that everything was created by him and for him and placed under him. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That Jesus Christ is the author of creation. Man, that's awesome. And then he goes on and tell you and I, check it quickly. He said, uh, having predestined us unto the adoption of children, God had determined that we we're going to be his children. How? By his son, Jesus Christ. So that means all along, God said through Jesus, we were going to be his children. Okay. Even before, even if Adam and Eve had, would have never bitten that fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, through Christ alone, God was going to make us his children. Okay. And then it goes on and says, according to the good pleasure of his will. Otherwise, it pleased God to do this, to make us his children through his son, Jesus. That's incredible, man. You, you can't beat that. 
That's the greatest gift that we can have, being children of God by His Son, Jesus. Okay? To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the beloved. Other words, that God has taken Jesus and He had made you and I accepted in Jesus. Jesus accepted us because God accepted us. Okay? Jesus loves us because God loves us. Are you getting this, Colin? Yes, sir. You mean to tell me the drunk that's laying in the ditch? Yes. And the woman that's in Las Vegas on the stage doing her thing before men? Yes. And the bank robber? Yes. And that cool kid sitting in the classroom at High Spring Community School? Yes. Jesus loves him. And that mama that got on that wild color dress, Jesus loves her too. And so, <laughs> let's wrap this up. In verse 7, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. All right, that's a lot said in that. In him we have what? Redemption. What does that mean? Redemption is the same thing as redeem. That God took Jesus' blood and it was the payment to bring us back to him. When Jesus shed his blood, it was like, you know, uh, for example, during the time of slavery, Mr. Tucker, and Mr. Aiden and Mr. Scholar, y'all read about slavery in school, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, do you know how they used to take blacks during the time of slavery yes, and put them on an auction block? They would stand up on this old stump and they would call the auction blocks and they would sell them. Okay? Well, whenever the man, the master to be, would want that slave, he would give money for that slave. So the seller will get the money and the master will get the slave. Okay? Well, that's the way this thing is looking. It, 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 it's, it's the ideal thing, just like that. Jesus, we were on the slave block of sin. Jesus took his blood and bought us off that slave block of sin bought us back to God by bringing us back to himself. That's why Peter would later write, say we were not redeemed with corruptible things such as gold and silver, but by the precious blood of the Son of God, the precious blood of Jesus he bought us back with. Okay? And so, and through him and him only do we have what? The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. In other words, the abundant favor of God, Jesus bought us back and forgave us for our sin against God. Okay? What's, what's the time, Clinton? And this is what the Apostle Paul is telling the church in Ephesus in this letter. 
No one fully understood this before about what God did with the human race, with his son Jesus. We, we gain favor from God. When Lord Jesus came down here, it's only because God had favor towards us, and it's called grace. God sent him, and Jesus shed his blood for us, washed away our sins in his own blood so there's no traces of it. Okay? Done. All who are in Christ Jesus on the day of judgment, there's nothing to be judged for us on the kind of sin. It doesn't exist. Jesus has washed it away. Okay? All right. Wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Word wisdom and prudence kind of go hand in hand because prudence means that you can make a reasonable decision, a reasonable choice. Okay, sound judgment is another way to look at prudence also. So God, by his own wisdom, made a sound judgment to do this towards us. Okay? Nobody twisted God's arm and made him love us and sent his son Jesus to redeem us. Nobody made Jesus do this. Because you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus told his disciples, stay here and pray, stay here while I go over there and pray. What did he do when he went over there away from his disciples? The Bible said, by the rock throw away. What, what did Jesus do when he fell on his face before God? Y'all remember what he did? Yeah, he cried, but what was he crying out to God? What was he saying? Do yes. Prayers? What, what did he say, Mr. Scholar? Do I have to do this? He was saying, Father, if there's any other way. He didn't say that, do I have to do this? He was simply saying, if there's any other way, if there's an alternative, if there's a different way of doing this, you know. I, but if not, he said, not my will, but what? Your will be done. So that meant God didn't have another way for him to do it. I mean, God could have come up with another way, right? But did he? No. The, 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 the method in which God chose Jesus to save us was in stone. And Jesus said that two more times, Father, there's any other way to take this cup away from me. He said, nevertheless, not my will, not my way, in other words, you know, if Jesus had another way to go about saving us, he probably would have, as we understand that prayer. But instead, he said, Father, but not my way, but your way or your will be done. And, and so it was the Father's way, the Father's will for the Son to go and be beaten. Did you know that, Clinton? It was the Father's will for the Son to be beat down to be crushed to be bruised okay yeah you're quoting that's right Isaiah 53 5 it was the father's will that the chastisement of our peace would be upon Jesus chastisement means to be beaten for something okay crushed for our iniquity other our sin 
transgression and, and by his stripes we are healed. Healed from what? Injury? Healed from sickness and diseases? Is that what it, the heal there means? No, heal from sin. Okay? So Jesus, by him going on and following the Father's plan, that's what was taking place. Isaiah 53, 5 was being lived out in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it was fulfilled on the cross. When that Roman soldier put that whip on Jesus, that it was being carried out. And the other night when the Spirit showed me nine things that, that was fulfilled in this right here, I want to show you something. You didn't know that, did you, Deke? We'll, we'll probably end on this one. Watch this right here, boys. Watch this. Isaiah starts out by, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Otherwise, who have God told this? Okay, who has God shown this to? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Who is him? Jesus. Like a tender plant. Otherwise, a newborn baby, a, a, a young child growing up, right? And as a root out of dry ground, anybody ever seen a, a, when you plant a seed? What happened? It breaks through the rough, dry ground, right? And a little tender plant shooting on up through there, right? He said, that's Jesus in the world when God sent him. He has no form nor comeliness. Okay, comeliness. The word comeliness means that he has no physical appearance in which people desire to look at him. I found no form of majesty for no And another way to say it, he has no honor in which people would desire him also. Okay? So I believe the Europeans' drawing of Jesus are inaccurate. Because this says that he has no commonness or no appearance in which we would desire him. Meaning, Clinton, he probably wasn't an appealing looking guy to look at. Okay? Because it says here, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And then in verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected of men. Did they reject him? Yes. Did they despise him? Yes. They hated him. Not all of the Jews, but a whole great deal of boy when the religious leader got that crowd stirred up. Now, just think now. That also, that also makes the looks of a person different as well. It sure does. When you look at him, like, I can't stand to see your face. Okay? And, boy. So I think that's some of what they were meaning to do. It probably, it could be a little bit of that, too. And, and I tell you, hatred is a horrible evil. 
because days earlier, they, they saw him riding into Jerusalem on that donkey and they said, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who come in the name of the Lord. Okay, they was calling him king, the king of Israel, right? And now they're called crucify him. And so, uh, a, a, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. That word grief means, well, sorrow means that, man, it, it's just, he would be heartbroken. And grief really should be translated as pain. Acquainted with pain. How is that? Because they beat him. When he was taken to Caiaphas, the high priest, what did they do to him? They beat him. The scripture said, they spit in his face and they began to slap him with it with their open hands. So it has started. Okay. And then what happened? We'll move on. And we hear as it were, it were our faces from him. He was despised. Uh-oh. There it is again. And we esteemed him not. We did meaning we didn't care for him. Okay. Surely he has borne our grief. That word grief there again means pain. Means he carried our pain. Born means he physically carried our pain. Okay. And then it goes on to tell you that he bore our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did not extinguish him scricking. Excuse me. Yet we did extinguish him scricking. Scricking means to be what? Beaten. Because the other night the Holy Ghost had me do a word search on these to make sure I get a full understanding. Scricking means beaten. Okay? To cause harm to. What else? Smitten. Did you know when this word was uh, really written? Uh, by the English, the word smitten was actually spelled, ready for this, Shelley? It was spelled S-M-I-T-A-N. That's the original spelling of the word. Smitten. Means to be punched, huh? Smack somebody, okay? So he, he, he was... And he was going, he, he was beat down. Smiting of God and afflicted. That word afflicted means two kinds of hurt. One to be hurt with the tongue. And the other one is to be hurt with the fist. Okay. I But it doesn't stop there in verse 5 is where we get to other, I think, three or four. Here, in verse 5, but he was wounded. And that word wounded talks about, it says, wounded for our transgressions. Wounded means that his flesh was cut open. And they were bleeding flesh wounds. Okay. For our transgressions, he was bruised 
Bruise means not how you just get a little bit of hematose. Is that what it calls, Shelly? A hematose. Hematoma or hematose, if you look at the, just the dictionary de definition of it, um, on the skin, he had deep bruises that went into multiple layers of skin. Am I saying that right, Shelley? Yeah. And so he was, it was the kind of bruises that would have hurted him for days after, or possibly even weeks. Am I, am I right? Yes, the bruises. Sometimes bruises can hurt you for months if they're deep enough. And so, but his was, he was bruised hard and deeply, okay? And so, uh, he was bruised for iniquity and the chastisement. Once again, somebody's going to beat him. They're going to discipline him, okay? The, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, the word stripes actually is a bad uh, translation. That should be bleeding wounds. And by his bleeding wounds, we are healed. Healed from what? Sin. And so when the Spirit had me go through and dissect these simple words that we thought that was simple, every one of them is connected with hurt, Clinton. Yes, and I believe the way it rotates through there, it's more than just the action of the body and being broken. I think it's people lashing out with words and feelings and stuff. It was. It, it was coupled with psychological That's why it's hurt. rotating from an actual wound to afflictions to, you know, so he being in... Dick, I think you got it, man. He suffered the physical injuries. Yeah, the physical injuries, the emotional injuries, the psychological injuries, all of that involved. His heart was crushed. I mean, it the, the crushing of the heart began in Gethsemane when he fell on his face before God and and and. And as one writer of the gospel said, and he sweated as if what? Great, great drops of blood. That means because his, his soul was in distress. So that means, Shelly, he was already hurting really bad. Even before they came to arrest him, it had begun. And, and I looked at that and said, Lord, he actually shed his blood. If that's correct, that he sweated drops of blood. Before he even got beat, or even before he reached the cross, his blood had began to be shed. Because he, uh, and the other morning in the wee hours when God had me going through this, again, the Lord, you know, wanted to remind me of the price that was paid to redeem me. And we never need to forget this. I, I said to God, and and, and I said, Father, what, what kind of father are you? And I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, Shelly. I, I just wanted to go, what kind of father would do this to his son? Yeah. And he said, the kind of father that loves you. I'm going, but God, this though? And I'm not going to lie, Michael 
was my favorite son. Why? Because I had him for years before I had all the other kids, Shelly. And so it's, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. Michael was my buddy. Even the time when his mom and I was, I remember one time, and maybe I'm saying too much here, Belinda came home and she screamed at me. And she got smart with me. And me and Michael, we were like, what did we do? And Michael was about CJ's age, Shelly. And he turned and he was crying and he screamed at his mama and said, don't you scream at my daddy. I mean, I was, it caught Linda by surprise. I mean, he blew her away and he was crying. Don't you scream at my daddy. I mean, she came in the house in one of them bad Marie Wright moods. <laughs> we thought we Okay, she hit this podcast. I'm gonna be in trouble. <laughs> Mother love. But so my love for Michael, and that's the only way I can explain it, is by using those example, real life examples that we've had in my own family. I couldn't wait to get off from work to get get him when I was a recruiter in Baltimore. I mean, Michael was my buddy, he was my friend. I loved Michael with all my heart. And we would go and do things together, and wake up, especially on Saturday mornings that I didn't have to work deep. His mom would find us 30 miles away at the go-kart track. She said, I knew y'all would be here. Or she would come and find us at the river fishing. Or we were doing something, or at the movies or something. And that's what I did. I live, sad to say this, and I was a young Christian man. Like, I tried to live the way Christ, as a parent with Michael, as Christ did with us. That's the way I tried. And so praying to God, I tried to get an understanding that as a father, I would never want to do that to Michael or to any of my boys and my new buddy, Max. I would never want anybody to put their hands on Max like that. I would go crazy. And last night I had one of the most weirdest dreams that this guy shot my two babies, Michaela and Matthew. Didn't kill him and I was crying in the dream. And I told people, I said, I'm going home and get my gun and I'm coming back and I'm gonna kill him. And in the dream, I told several people this. So I'm, gonna, I'm going home, get my gun and I'm gonna kill him. And I did, I went home, got my gun. It was like a shiny, a silver color 45. And I loaded the Shelly and I came back and I told people, I said, I'm going to kill so-and-so. And what was really weird about the dream, and I don't understand this, the guy was the man that used to be my stepfather, and he's been dead for about 20 years. Isn't that weird? And Michaela and, 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 and Matthew didn't die from their wounds, but because he had shot my babies, I was going to kill him. Weird dream, isn't it? And so I can't understand 
uh, boys, why God did this to his son Jesus, even though we know for us, but Shelly, we can never get the heart of God, understand why the father said, okay, this is what I'm going to do to you for them. And he says, okay. And he goes to, just because he was God's son, some people say, well, he didn't feel pain. Oh, yes, he did. The book of Hebrews tell you and I that Jesus is talking and in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, God prepared a body for me. What does that mean? God prepared a body for me. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things that can never... Uh, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make their commerce there too perfect. Otherwise, the, 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 the sin offerings every year that the high priest had to offer up to God, you know, the animal sacrifices, could never make you perfect before God. Okay? That's what they're saying. Uh, for then would they not have ceased to be offered. Otherwise, if those things made you perfect, then they wouldn't have to continue to be offered, right? Um, because that the worshiper once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. He's saying that, okay, if this worked, then those who committed sin would no longer have to, I mean, would know or do sin because it would have stopped it in them. Okay? But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sin every year. Otherwise, the high priest have to go back and offer that another sacrifice for the people's sin again, right? Yeah. And then it goes on to say, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Just because they killed the goat or bull, their blood didn't take your sin away. Nope. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he said, talking about Jesus, sacrifice and offering, you would not, thou would not, would is not, but a body has thou prepared for me. Did you get that? He just said that God no longer wanted sacrifices of animals everybody it's almost like we're saying that God wanted a human sacrifice and you know what yes but not just any human this one had to be spotless and there was no human on earth that was spotless. This one had to come directly from God because all other humans were what? Spotless because, I mean, full of spots because of sin. 
So this one had to come all the way from heaven. The spotless, sinless Son of God. Is this making any sense to everyone? And said, when he came down here, Mr. Scholar, he came with the Holy Ghost. So he came as spirit. And God, the Holy Ghost, put him in the womb of Mary and put flesh and blood around him and made him a human baby. But not a seed that was come from a man that was tainted with sin, but by the seed of who? God. Therefore, he, he did not come from a human seed. God, that Shelly, you being a mama, understand all that, especially. The mama just gave him flesh and blood. The spirit gave him life. Is that making sense now? Jesus came down here as a spirit, and the Holy Ghost put him into Mary's womb, and Mary's flesh, joined in with the seed of God, grew this baby that had no sin. So he didn't come into the world with a sin nature like the babies that was uh, conceived by Adam and Eve. He came into the world with the Spirit of God that had no sin and knew no sin. And when he was born, he was the first human to come out of the womb with no sin and without a sin nature. But it, he had that body for one reason. What was it for a deacon? To what? To die on the cross. To be beaten. To fulfill Isaiah 53. Yes? And to be smitten by God. Man. I don't see how God did it. I really don't. You're sending this pressure. And I can see men looking at this baby in the manger. And the mama. And the mama didn't fully understand what was going to happen to him. Not even the prophets understood the depth of his suffering. I don't think they did. And so next time y'all want to say Mary had a little lamb? Yes, she did. And it was white as snow? Yes, he was. But he was the lamb of God that was birthed by Mary. And yes, he was white as snow because he didn't have sin. Any questions? So... Paul is explaining all this good stuff in his letter to the Ephesians that God did all this so that he can give us access to his provisions in heaven, which was what? Heavenly blessings, right, Clinton? 
And what are those heavenly blessings? Where are they found at? In Christ Jesus alone. Not in a bank account, not in material things, but spiritual blessings in Christ alone. Why? Because God has given us his favor. The richness of his favor called grace. And that's what Paul said. Listen, humans, God had made you rich in glory. We're wealthy people in heaven because we're with Jesus. Spiritual. All right, to close this out, to really sum it up. Did Mary become a, a rich woman when Jesus was born? She remained what? Poor. Poor. Did Jesus have to work to take care of the family when Joseph died? Yes. Yes, he did until he died and was raised from the dead and sent back to heaven. And then, you know, uh, right before Jesus died on the cross and he was hanging on the cross, he gave the obligation to who? To John. He said, Behold your mother. And woman, behold your son. I thought that was James. Messiah was John. So now, John had the responsibility. It, what your, your school taught there was James, one of Jesus' brothers, the one that wrote the book of James. I guess it depends on what school you've been instructed in. I, I could probably see that. But I thought he was talking to John. And we can research that one day to see, in fact, which one he was talking to. And if I'm wrong, I'm okay to say that I got it wrong, Mr. Tucker. Okay? But man, are you seeing how the pieces of all of this come together? Of hundreds of years of prophecy fulfilled in Christ and the beating, the suffering. And Paul said, look, it was done for this purpose. This is, this, uh, this is the blessing that you humans get out of this. You get to be blessed by God in Christ. And you say, but can we go home now? <laughs> Shouldn't Bible study be over with? And the answer is no. yes. Anyway, closes in prayer, scholar. After I, I make my statement, once again, that Lord Jesus Christ is the only way in which men could be saved. If any other religion says that God doesn't have a son, that is not the same God of the Bible. Because the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob says so. And even on the night in which Lord Jesus was betrayed, he's standing before Caiaphas, the high priest. And Caiaphas says, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? Tell us plainly, are you the Christ, otherwise the Messiah, the son of the living God? So they knew that the Messiah would be God's son. And Jesus said, it, it, is, it is as you have what? Said it. 
and they tore their clothes and said, what further proof do we need for he have committed blasphemy? Oh, was saying, he has lied. He's not God's son. When in fact, he is God's son. So we must put our trust in him and live for him forever. Closes in prayer, little man. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this Bible study. Um, I just pray for tomorrow. Uh, I wanted to thank you for allowing us to wake up. Um, I pray for tomorrow that everybody is still alive. Um, Amen. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a new president. And we pray for that president that he will turn to you and trust you with his life by trusting your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.